Well, beloved, we've been preaching and teaching on a series of messages that we've entitled Holiness of Heart. Holiness of Heart. And uh, if my count is right, I think this is the sixth week. And uh, the overarching uh, theme, Holiness of Heart, has to do with our disposition toward the things of God. And so to help those who may be tuning in for the first time, what we said is holiness from a biblical perspective is simply being separated unto God for divine purposes or sacred purposes. You see, God wants us to be in the world but not of the world or like, like the world. Okay? Um, and so God has separated his people and it goes all the way back to the Old Testament when he commanded his servant Moses to tell the people to be holy because I am holy and I am separating you as my people. And so that's what holiness has to do with separation, consecration, dedication to godly purposes. And then the heart. The heart is the seat or the control center, if you will, of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Yeah. And so the heart is the thing that drives us and compels us to think the way we think, mm -hmm. talk the way we talk, mm -hmm. and then ultimately to act the way we act. And if we're going to be separated unto God, then that means we have to change the way we think, mm -hmm. the way we talk, uh -huh. and the way we act. Amen. And God has given us his spirit to do so. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's what we talked about in week one. That's, it was just an overview. Week two, we entitled a message called Words Matter. Amen. Words Matter. Amen. And I'm not going to chronicle all of it, but there's a couple of scriptures that give us importance in terms of the words we speak. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Mm -hmm. The Lord Jesus Christ said these words. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Uh -huh. But this is what he really says here, and, it, and we need to understand and in, embrace it. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in our thoughts, what's in our actions, what's in our motives actually translates into what we say. And according to God, our words are so powerful we can speak life and we can speak death yeah. to a situation. Uh -huh. Amen. Right. Week, week three, we dealt with uh, the, our motive toward life-sustaining principles and the financial resources and, and other material things that God places in our midst. And what we tried to identify is what Jesus said, that we're not to worry about what we eat, uh -huh. what we drink, uh -huh. you know, what we're going to wear, all those things. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, the unbelievers, that's the way they think. Mm -hmm. But he says, look, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will add all of these things unto us. Why? Because he says, where your treasure, 
where your treasure is, there also is your heart. So God knows that we need to subsist in this world. He knows that we need money and we need resources to have a, a good living. But he doesn't want our pursuit over material things and goods and riches to, to be the thing that we go after in life. Rather, he says that we are to seek God's kingdom, his yeah. way of thinking, uh -huh. his principles. And when we do that, God says, then I'll take responsibility to add all of these things unto you. God is not against having wealth. Don't get me wrong. But he doesn't want the wealth or the pursuit of wealth to have us, Amen. all right? Amen. To control us. To, to have everything that we attempt to gain in this life. Mm -hmm. He says, because those things, they're going to pass away. Raw, moth and rust and dust corrupt those things. We can't take those things with us. So he says, look, focus your attention on godly principles. And we also talked about what it means to be indebted to God and what it means to be indebted to our fellow brothers and sisters in the world. God told us very clearly there's two commandments. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Now we're indebted to God for what he has done by giving his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have a right to eternal life, that Jesus, who died for us, apportioned us the abundant life according to godly principles, that we can live a victorious life. But he also said these words in Romans chapter 13, verse 8. He says, Oh, no man except to love him. And what he means in this context is we have a spiritual obligation to not only love God, but we have a spiritual and moral obligation to love our neighbor. Yeah. And our neighbor doesn't necessarily mean people that uh, think like us, people that believe like us. It's those men and women, boys and girls, we come in contact with. And the only way we can demonstrate that we love God and that our heart is attuned to God, Jesus says, look, if you love me, be obedient. Be obedient to my commands. And I know you and I, in our own human strength, we can't do that. That's why we need the power of God's spirit to drive us to that point. But it's a decision. We have to choose to make that decision. And beloved, uh, as I see events taking place, in our society and in our world today, according to scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ could come during our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's very important for us to discern what the times and seasons are, according to the word of God. And Jesus asked this question. He says, look, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? And he's also said judgment begins in the household of faith, among God's people. So, people of God, we have a responsibility, we have an obligation, we have a debt mm -hmm. that we owe to God. Yeah. So that when Jesus Christ comes, he can find us faithful 
so he could find us pleasing in his sight. Now, I mentioned last time that debt has a double meaning. Uh, we all are familiar with debts that we acquire from uh, the purchase of certain items, houses, cars, student loans. We are, we're familiar with that kind of debt. But there's also a spiritual debt. And I, as I said, it has to do with a moral obligation. And so today I want to talk about another aspect of the spiritual debt or moral obligation that we are commanded and required by God to act and perform. Now, before I go any further, I need you to say, Pastor Hamilton, Pastor Hamilton. I love you. Pastor Hamilton, preach the word. Pastor Hamilton, go forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for giving me that liberty because this subject that I'm going to deal with is sensitive. And it has to do with our ability to forgive. Our ability to forgive. And so I want us to look at the passage that's found in Matthew chapter 6. We'll read verses 9 through 15, and uh, we'll proceed from there. Uh, but this is very important, beloved, very important. And, and I think if we're honest and open with ourselves, if we can address where we are in terms of meeting or not meeting this spiritual obligation, if we decide today Look, Lord, I'm going to give up. I'm going to have, let you have your way. It's going to be a life-changing, delivering experience. Mm -hmm. The word of God found in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. And the Lord Jesus Christ is describing to his disciples how they should pray. And he says this, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then verse 14 says these words. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So I want to I define some terms here uh, as it relates to forgiveness, as it relates to debt and trespasses. Uh, according to Bible dictionary, to forgive means to forsake or let alone or omit or lay aside. Okay? Forget, let alone, omit, lay aside. Now debt, as I said, has a double meaning. It means something that is owed for a purchase or a service. And then the other meaning means it, it, is a, it can be a moral fault and sin, all right? Debt can mean a moral fault or sin. Now, 
Trespasses means, and it can be an unintentional error or a willful transgression. Transgression means we are so used to doing things, saying things, that it doesn't even register that it is something contrary to what God would have us to say or do. So that's what trespasses means. Now, when we talk about having a debt, Jesus made it very clear and very succinct. He says in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, we are to pray. Let me stop right there. Hallelujah. You see, as I said for myself, and you have to reckon in your own heart and your own mind, I can't forgive unless I include God and his spirit and his power to allow me to do what he is calling me to do. Because you and I, in our humanness, we have been shaping in iniquity. We have a sin nature. It's our nature to rebel against the commandments and the statutes and the declarations of God. That's our nature. But listen, we can exchange our sin nature to have a divine nature, but it's an act of our own will. And see, that's why God says we're to, we're, we're to pray. We're to cast our cares upon him because God wants to have activity and intervention in our lives. And if we're sincere and open about it, God then has the ability to take over, take control. And we gotta just, you know, let those things that we want to do go aside. And God can then use us. Yeah. So he says, look, we are to forgive our debts even as we forgive those who commit debt toward us. He says we have to do it. it is there, we can't opt out of this. And then in verse 14, he makes this declaration. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will forgive you. Con conversely, he says, but if you do not forgive men their trespass, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And beloved, we have trespasses. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We have some trespasses that go back many, many years. Mm -hmm. We have some trespasses that we've committed even among our own families, yeah. members. Yeah. Those we should love the most. And God makes it very clear. He says, look, if we forgive, he will forgive us. And the psalmist David says, if I regard iniquity, iniquity is even a higher level of sin. He says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. So listen, we, we can pray all we want and ask God to do all that we would like for him to do. But listen, if we do not have forgiveness in our hearts God says he will not forgive us God says he will not hear even our prayers so we're left to our own devices and when we're left to our own devices that's an invitation and that you might as well have a, a bullseye on your chest for Satan to oppress you and what Satan has done for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ he possesses them that's why we see all this wickedness in the world. 
But I'm talking to the believers now. We have an obligation to forgive. And what does that really mean? As we said, it means to lay aside. It means to omit. We have the ability to say, look, okay, yeah, that brother, you know, defamed me or, you know, that sister uh, uh, gossiped against me and said, you know, false things against me. Or it could have been something even worse. You know, I was, I was mistreated. I was sexually abused by one of my relatives or someone. It could be that serious. But listen, we have the obligation with God's help to forgive that person. In other words, we say, listen, God, I, I, I want to move on from this, this hurt. I want to move on from this, this, this debt that I have in my heart. I'm harboring in my heart because I know I can't have a relationship with you. And so I'm going to ask the question, are you struggling in your relationships? Not just with God, but with other people. And if you are, and many of us have been dealing with issues for years, uh -huh. could it be that we have not forgiven the way God intends for us to forgive? Could it be that we still remember and we bring back to people who have uh, trespassed against us, their, their you know, harm to us, what they have done to make us feel and act and say the things that we say? particularly when we're in their presence. And a lot of times we don't even have to be in their presence. We can, just a, a thought might remind us of what someone has said or done to us. God is saying to us today, listen, you have a choice. I have a choice. We can even let that thing go and allow God's power to work through us or we can choose to hold on to it. And see, when we choose to hold on to it, there are all kinds of, of, of curses, I'll say it that way, curses that many of us don't even realize. Curses such that um, our health is negatively impacted. We have mental disorders and mental diseases because we refuse to forgive. Many of us, we can't move forward in positive relationships because of what someone has done to us in the past. Mm -hmm. Listen, beloved, I love you. I don't want to minimize the pain and the hurt that you may have been dealt. I'm not minimizing that, but what I'm trying to say is by the word and the power of God, mm -hmm. you can release yourself. Uh -huh. You see, the person who holds on to the debt, they're the ones who suffer. The one who may have committed the offense, they may have gone on with their lives and they're doing okay. But you need to understand that to get your relationship right with God vertically and then to have a proper horizontal relationship with your fellow man, you and I must forgive. Amen. It's Amen. not an option. Amen. And God doesn't tell us any other way that he will forgive us unless we forgive those who commit trespasses against us. Very serious, beloved. I, I have to nail that thing home because many of us, we're, we're dealing with issues. Many of us are struggling. Mm 
Many of us have, you know, physical manifestation. We have high blood pressure. We got hypertension. Mm -hmm. We have these manifestations because the least little thing can tick us off. Man. The least little thing can cause us to talk and speak bad things. Man. Man. How many of you heard back in the day used to tell people, well, listen, you go to H. Not realizing that those words can carry forth death to a person. Now thank God for his grace and his mercy. And those of us who are members of his family, we're covered under the blood. But see, our words have weight. And God looks at and he's recording what we say. Because out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So listen, if you and I have an unforgiving spirit that we're dealing with, eventually that unforgiveness is going to come out verbally. Mm -hmm. We say we forgive a person, but then we bring back things that they've done 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Amen. And I would submit to you, beloved, that we've not truly forgiven them. We've not laid it aside. We've not omitted it, them. We have not forgiven the way God forgives us. He tells us, look, he casts our sins and transgressions in the sea of forgetfulness. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west, and he says he will remember them no more. And see, we're without excuse if we say we're Christians, we say we've been uh, anointed with the power of the living God. We say the Holy Spirit is our paraclete, our helper, but yet we don't act that way. We don't speak that way. And see, God wants to deal with this. And so if we're going to have holiness of heart, a separateness, unto God, unto his divine purposes. If we are going to act and do what God has commanded us to do, then we must deal with unforgiveness. And I would suggest that we deal with it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. We deal with it today. And if it means getting on your knees and saying, Lord, please forgive me. I still harbor unforgiveness. And be specific. There are people that you and I may have unforgiveness toward. We need to identify that. And let me say this. Even if the person has passed on to the life beyond, you can still forgive that person. It, it may mean, you know, you just have a conversation with God. Or it may mean you may want write, to write it down, you know just as if the person was there. However, it's best for you. Whatever the circumstance is, you and I must forgive. Yes. Let me share one other passage of scripture and then I'm, I'm gonna close this message. And uh, I want that scripture to come from Matthew chapter 18. And I'm gonna read verses 21 through 35 and to our heart. And uh, this time I'm going to be using the contemporary English version. So um, this, is, this is a more 
modern translation, if you will. But in this passage, it speaks to the seriousness of how God looks at our ability to forgive or not forgive someone. All right, beginning with verse 21, uh, Matthew 18. Peter came up to the Lord and asked, how many times should I forgive someone who does something wrong to me? Is it seven, is seven times enough? Jesus answered, not just seven times, but 77 times. This story will show you what the kingdom of heaven is like. One day a king decided to call in his officials and ask them to give an account of what they owed. As he was doing this, one official was brought in who owed him 50 million silver coins. But he didn't have any money to pay what he owed. The king ordered him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all he owned, in order to pay the debt. And that's what they allowed back in the biblical day. Verse 26, the official got down on his knees and began begging, have pity on me and I will pay you every cent I owe. Yeah, right. The king felt sorry for him and let him go free. I got, I'm gonna read that again. 50 million pieces of silver he owed. The king felt sorry for him and let him go free. He even told the official that he did not have to pay back the money. But as this official was leaving, he happened to meet another official who owed him a hundred silver coins. So he grabbed the man by the throat. He started choking him and said, pay me what you owe. The man got down on his knees and began begging, have pity on me and I will pay you back. But the first official refused to have pity. Instead, he went and had the other official put in jail until he could pay what he owed. When some other officials found out what had happened, they felt sorry for the man who had been put in jail. Then they told the king what had happened. The king called the first official back in and said, you're an evil man. When you begged for mercy, I said you did not have to pay back a cent. Don't you think you should show pity to someone else as I did to you? The king was so angry that he ordered the official to be tortured until he can pay back everything he owed. Verse 35, this, Jesus says, is how my Father in heaven will treat you and me. If you and I don't forgive each of our, if my followers with all your heart. I just wanna say in this passage, you see, the king represented God the Father. And the debt that was owed God was not even possible to be paid back. Our sin debt was paid by the life, by the blood, and by the power and the love of Jesus because he, he gave up his life. He gave us the right to the tree of life. He paid our sin debt. And so you and I have a moral obligation. We have a spiritual obligation yeah. to, listen, have the same kind of mercy yeah. 
the same kind of compassion, the same kind of unforgiveness that God conveys toward us. So who are we to think that we can hold somebody hostage because they did something to us when we can't pay back what God has done for us? It was impossible for that official to pay back the debt that he owed financially. Impossible. But yet the man that owned him a hundred silver coins, that was a possible debt that he could have repaid. But the man didn't have mercy. And back during biblical times, you could hold hostage his family. You can put the person in jail until they could pay back. And I don't know how they can do that if they're in jail. How they can generate money. But the point I'm trying to make is, listen, we have an impossible task. We can't pay God back for what he's done for us. And so the same mercy that he showed toward that official is the same mercy and compassion we should have on somebody else. The fact that we're still around to be able to think about these thoughts should compel us to say, God, you love me enough that you allow me to survive this situation. You allowed me enough that you gave your only begotten son and you've given me his spirit You've given me everything that pertains unto life and unto godliness. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm without excuse. I just need to make the choice mm -hmm. to forgive the way you forgive me. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the faith part comes in. Yeah, yes, because the devil is going to try to get you to say, no, nah, that person, you know, they, they still after you. You've been hurt, baby. You've been traumatized. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. Yeah. God has mercy, so much so that he doesn't want you and me to go through this life tormented. And that's what was in this text. That man, God allowed him to be tormented because he had unforgiveness in his heart. Beloved, God said it this way. If you and I forgive men, they're trespasses. If you and I forgive our debtor, God will forgive us. But if we don't forgive men and women of their trespass, neither will God forgive us. And I'm telling you, we're men and women without hope. If God doesn't forgive us for our transgressions, guess what? We don't truly belong to his family. I'm going to say it in that way. God loves people too much. He's given too much for us to do what we want to do when it comes toward our relationship with him and with our fellow man. I want to close with this, this uh, story. And uh, the heading is entitled Aggie Cadet's Initiation. Aggie Cadet initiation. Now I'm a North Carolina A&T Aggie. Uh, we have some other Aggies out there. But this is a, a Texas A&M Aggie. Listen to this account. Bruce Goodrich, who was being initiated into the Cadet Corps at Texas A&M University, one night 
Bruce was forced to run until he dropped, but he never got up. Bruce Goodrich died before the, he even entered college. A short time after the tragedy, Bruce's father wrote this letter to the administration, faculty, student body, and the Corps of Cadets. He said, I would like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation to my family, I'm sorry, of my family for the great outpouring of concern and compassion and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son, Bruce. We were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We were actually pleased to note that his Christian witness did not go unnoticed during his brief time on campus. Mr. Goodrich went on, I hope it will be some comfort to know that we harbor no ill will in the matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointment with his Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. When the question is asked, why did this happen? Perhaps the answer will be so that many will consider where they will spend their eternity. <laughs>